This is Defenders TV podcast episode 31, looking at Marvel's Jessica Jones, season one, episode one, aka Ladies Night. Welcome back, Defenders, and welcome to Defenders TV Podcast Episode 31, where we are taking a look at Marvel's Jessica Jones Episode 1, a.k.a. Ladies' Night. Uh, And what a fab night or early morning it has been watching and finally getting around to watching uh, Jessica Jones. Uh, I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm Derek. Yeah, we've been uh, been waiting a while for this one. Um, and yeah, we got up at 8 o'clock in the morning to uh, to watch it as it was released worldwide on November 20th. Hi guys, I'm Chris, back again from the dead. Uh, I took a short break while uh, the guys, but the guys filled in for me, thank God. Um, So here I am and I'm ready to kind of give my feedback on Jessica Jones. And it's going to be interesting. Absolutely. So guys, what did you think? Derek, what was your first impressions of this episode? Well, first impressions for me is finally we can talk about it. We saw this episode at New York Comic Con, as some of our regular listeners will know, which was on October 6th, I think, as around that time. So we've had about a month and a half to digest this episode and not talk to anybody about it because we were told by Jeff Loeb under penalty of death not to tell anybody what happened in the episode. And wow, this is just as shocking as it was back then. It's a fantastic and really different version of a Netflix Marvel show. I think you guys will probably uh, probably agree with me on that. There's definitely a lot of differences here. Yeah, um, from my side, I'm, I'm, to let our listeners know, I didn't join the our two other Defender co-hosts uh, at New York Comic Con. Um, for me, this was my first time sitting in, and I was going in very much blind. Um, Amazon hadn't delivered my um, alias um, kind of graphic novels. So, Damn you, I, yeah, it was. <laughs> I, it, if all went to plan, it should have arrived on the 19th. I would have then had half a day to read it at night and then mm-hmm. going in fresh, like, I know the whole story. But no, that didn't uh, happen. So I went in blind. Um, all I'd watched was the trailer, and I actually, we were just, myself and Derek were discussing it just before recording, that I didn't even watch the uh, opening theme, which they had released uh, about 12 hours before the show went live. That's right. Um, because I, I, I watched, I listened to like about 10 seconds and went, oh, no, I get enough. I, right. So this was very spoiler free, going in blind, and wow, uh, that's kind of where my head is at the moment. It's, hell of a lot more intense straight away it's more psychological it's more it's darker even though it's brighter mm-hmm. than uh, Daredevil it's a different show this is not a show for you to sit down with your two year old and five year old and go oh look it's some superheroes this is a mummy and daddy show absolutely absolutely and just one other thing I want to bring in from New York Comic Con there was an interview with Marco Ramirez who was the head showrunner for season 2 of Daredevil uh, and what he said was when they did Daredevil they had no idea what the appetite for this adult kind of show would be they were wondering whether anybody would be interested in it or whether it would get criticised for kind of changing the Marvel brand into an adult brand and now they know from the reaction and again they're not talking about numbers or number of people who watched it but they know from the reaction that there's definitely an appetite out there so I wonder whether there was uh, something that played into Jessica Jones out of this and actually gave it more of an adult feel than than they um, than they originally may have thought. Well, yeah, exactly. And what I think now is so uh, some of our listeners who are also comic book readers will remember that Marvel about 
what now, 10 years ago now, did the Max series. That's right. And there was the adult eight over 18s. They did Supreme Power, which is the Sinister, not Sinister Six, Squadron Supreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a number of Dare, uh, Daredevil, Punisher. Punisher. They did Fury, yeah. with Nick Fury, my favorite character, uh, being all adultized. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what, the, I think this is what Netflix is going to be. It's going to be the MCU for over 18s. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether I would want to see what a, a Max Iron Fist would, uh, how that would actually come out. <laughs> that could be, like, really troublesome for, for Marvel to, to do, I would say. Could be. But, um, Lucrative yeah. in merchandising. <laughs> certainly, certainly. But um, definitely, this is, um, this is more darker... In a, I think definitely in a psychological way, um, you know, Daredevil had its violence, you know, the 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 head in the car door scene, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. This is still violent, but from a psychological way and darker. And then also, I agree, like the adult element extends not only to that, but also just I think to sort of the relationships and and how sexual they are. Um, and how real they feel. It, it feels really grown up uh, and really good. I mean, one thing I would say as well is that this episode really took its time to build it. I mean, you know, it is different from Daredevil. Daredevil, for me, the first episode landed and it was right up the straight in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this really felt as though it took its time leading to obviously that amazing um ending that was both cruel and disturbing and which we'll we'll probably come to in some of our points but for for those of you who um are listening to us for the first time each of us will take five points sometimes they will overlap and cross over and we'll discuss elements of of, uh the episode within that five point structure Uh, and that's the the basis of our podcasts and again the release schedule that we'll be doing for these podcasts is we will get two up today, the 20th of November, um, the first two episodes of Jessica Jones. We'll be aiming to get a third episode, the discussion of episode three, up on Sunday. And then after that, we will be releasing a podcast on each of the episodes of of Jessica Jones uh, once a week landing on a Tuesday uh, for you to look at and subscribe to. And if you want to find us, we are on DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes, or you can find us on any other good podcast catcher. Uh, just search Defenders TV Podcast uh, and subscribe in any other good podcast catcher, Android podcast catcher, such as um, Player FM, Podcast Addict, um, and Stitcher. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully Google Play Music when it gets released in uh, in Europe in the next couple of months. Uh, yeah, and we definitely want to hear from you. Uh, we have got some feedback, which we'll be talking about uh, later on in the episode after we've discussed our points. Please send your feedback in to us as you watch the episodes. A lot of people are watching them in different orders. People right now are watching episode, probably episode three, I think, right now. Um, <laughs> they'll be they'll be finished way before we have our second podcast out. But we want to hear your thoughts on the episodes as you watch them. Send those into feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can also join our group on Facebook where there is some discussions going on about the episodes as we go. Uh, just look for Defenders TV Podcast over on Uh, Facebook, join the group, we'll accept you pretty quickly, and then you can pop in your thoughts. Uh, You can also join our page on on 
uh, Facebook, which which will generally just be news and the postings of our episodes. Much more fun to join the group. And again, you can follow us on Twitter, where we will be putting up no spoilers for the episodes as we go. But our Twitter handle is DefendersCast. Uh, follow us on there for uh, for some discussions as we go. Absolutely. And we have been running a competition uh, following our trip to New York Comic Con. We've got a whole range of different posters and comics and, and goodies that we got from New York Comic Con. And the competition was to to leave reviews for us on iTunes or any other good uh, podcast catcher uh, where they have a review section. And so we will, at the end of this episode, we will be pulling the names out of the big woolly hat mm-hmm. um, for for the winner um, who will get a load of posters Agent Carter Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Jessica Jones Daredevil Season 2 there's the um, transitionary comic done by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gados who did the Alias uh, graphic novels uh, that transitional comic um, between Daredevil and Jessica Jones that's there as well um, and we will um send that on to you for whoever is lucky enough to have been pulled out of the hat. Plus, what we do have is a few more of those comics, which we'll also send to a few other people that we pull out the hat as well as a, an extra little goodie and to say a thank you, obviously, for taking part in the competition, getting involved and, and leaving a review for us on iTunes. Uh, thank you so much. But we will come to that towards the end of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. As John said, thanks so much to the listeners who've been listening to us all the way, right the way through from Daredevil, um, which we started in, in April, I believe. Um, really wow, enjoyable. that's yeah. a long I know we're up to like, we're up to episode thirty-one now. Lots of lots of episodes and lots of listeners have been really really good. Yeah, and Agent Carter as well, yeah. and also some of the great Marvel films and not so great Marvel That's films true. that have come out uh, this year as well. Yeah, but without further ado, I think it's time for us to get on to our episode discussion. As John mentioned, this episode is episode one of Jessica Jones, which is AKA Ladies Night, a nice little reference to Ladies Night in Luke's dive bar. And this episode of, uh, of Jessica Jones, this episode was written by Melissa Rosenberg who is the showrunner for Jessica Jones uh, fantastically written I think we'll uh, I think we'll all agree as we as we go through uh, it was directed by SJ Clarkson John do you want to let us know what we got with your synopsis Jessica Jones is a former superhero a lady trying to rebuild her life after a troubled history now as a private investigator with special abilities Jessica Jones has a keen sense of self-loathing a love for whiskey sarcasm late mornings, and the local barman, Luke Cage. And now she has a new case to work. Hired to track down a vanished university student by her parents, Jessica's investigation increasingly takes her down a dark track, as a shadowy, complex figure from her past takes her beyond a missing persons case to a disturbing and brutal reality. What does he want? Thanks for that, John. Lots going on in that episode. That was pretty spoiler-free. Uh, just a reminder to all of our listeners, obviously, we've watched this episode. Hopefully, you've watched the episode. From now on, we will be spoiler-filled all the way through as we go through our five points on this episode. And with that thought, Chris, do you want to give us your first point? Yeah, so I suppose um, the, the elephant in the room that we need to talk about uh, in a good way is the style, art direction, tonality that is Jessica Jones and what separates it from an MCU film, mm-hmm. what separates it from Daredevil as well, to date. Um, we've only seen one episode, one, like, what, 53, 57 minutes, mm-hmm. not even. Um, and it really is a, 
the opening scene is film noir, 1920s, New York, with that overlay of kind of the, the monologue of Jessica discussing it. Yeah. Um, it is, it, it, I think it's, it's very much a, a detective show and they plant that seed straight away. Yeah. Like anyone would, anyone will understand that. Like I was expecting it to go black and white at some point and wisps of mist and steam coming through a, a sewer grate coming as she strode in in her fedora and trench coat. Yeah. I was expecting when we saw the uh, alias investigations door. Now, I do know now that it was a panel for panel, panel for shot, panel for shot, directly out of alias, mm-hmm. the comic book. But I was expecting the door to kind of magically open and there's her with her kind of cigarette hanging out of her mouth, silhouetted with uh, kind of like legs up on the desk and go, howdy, dame. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I was expecting that. And I think that they nailed it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. this is a gritty realistic portrayal with a nice kind of MCU overlay where we're going to have people jumping tall buildings in a single bound. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, or maybe it's, two bands. Or two yeah. bands, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like she, she got to at least, what, the third story yeah. and the one of those jumps. Um, but I think that was the, the nice. I think uh, the, everyone, we always noticed the, the art direction, the, the, the videography in... Daredevil. I think we talked about it within episode one straight away. Mm-hmm. And I feel we need to talk about Jessica Jones. I think this is going to be a darker, more gritty, realistic, but I don't think that there's an, there's a, a, a layer of comedy in there that we're going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's more sarcastic. It's more kind of, um, adult, which yeah. we can probably talk more about the adult themes later. But I think that's just one of the things I think it was. They, they are setting this up as that kind of, uh, it's not a hero of the week investigations. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, this is a, a film noir 1920 style investigation film. Yeah, definitely. It definitely had reminded me of Sin City, the, uh, the Frank Miller, uh, book and obviously the Robert Rodriguez film uh, and Frank Miller film, uh, had that style of the, of the, um, the voiceover of the A Down to Kill for, I think is the storyline they took it from or that they made, excuse me. Um, but yeah, there's definitely that style. There's an instant feeling of, uh, of film noir, definitely a feeling of the Sam Slade kind of detective. Um, I love the line where she, in her opening monologue, where she's essentially saying, people do bad shit. I just, avoid getting involved it really tells you all you need to know about the character of jessica jones that she's very standoffish we definitely know throughout this episode but the fact that she is essentially standoffish because people are going to hurt you if you let them get close so just don't let them get close don't get anywhere near them yeah like i, I loved um the down and out feel that you always expect of this hard done by pi you know who's smoking the cigar i love the fact you know she's she is down and out to an extent. She mm. she's dealing with stuff. She's got um she likes her whiskey. Um there's all of that. I loved how like the pan towards the alias investigations window and you hear the chit chat from behind the glass um about, you know, you've ruined my life. Well, you asked me to go and investigate a case and you don't like what I've found. There's the over um narration by Jessica Jones saying, you know, people have to either deal with it or don't deal with it or whatever. It never uh, works out for them when they go for it. Exactly. With it, yeah. And it all felt like this private investigator feel. Even her snapping the two 
cheating people under the bridge with all the the smoke and the wisps it really sort of set it up nicely that you know this is her job she's good at it um and uh it, it really gave that noir feel that pi feel as well um and a great introduction for the the titled character jessica jones really good um, I love the fact that she says, you know, she excels at looking at the worst in people, you know, this idea that she sees maybe everything through a negative lens. Um, there's just some really great quips coming back to the humor, you know, New York is the city that never sleeps, you know, yeah, right, the, the city that likes to sleep around. Kind yeah. of, like really good kind yeah. of humor that, like really good. Two minutes on a treadmill, 20 minutes on a quarter pounder. Yeah. <laughs> that was just for me, <laughs> I just cracked on. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's the Sam Slade styled kind of comment. I was like, yep, yeah, that, that's, yeah. if the humor is staying like that then i'm going to enjoy those kind of sarcastic bits yeah definitely it's one of those things like you say this that you say there's a humor in there there's humor in the avengers films but i don't get it as much as i get this kind of humor because this is very much my type of humor yeah. i think it's all of our yeah. kind of sarcastic little bit i'd love to be as quippy and as quick as she is uh with her quips it would if be we great. have a team of writers yeah, <laughs> we just get some two guys following us around going you should say this yes yeah. Um, yeah absolutely of the surround de bergerac kind of, kind of stuff <laughs> Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Chris. I don't want to give a huge prop to uh, to S.J. Clarkson, the director of this episode. She got the tone completely right in this episode of how how you direct this kind of noir and P.I. style. Really good point, Chris. Uh, John, do you want to give us your first point? Yeah, I'm going to go for a biggie. It's the influence of Kilgrave, oh, yes. the man, the man who kind of remains unnamed um, for most of this, this episode. But um, I love how the purple fades in or bleeds into the shots every time he's kind of awakening and coming back into uh, Jess- Jessica's mind. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's one of those things where I think the Marvel writers, the showrunners, they, they, they're they not taking the easy route. You know, you had Daredevil where they had to put on screen how someone or the, the idea of someone who's blind in Matt Murdock and how he sees the world through the world of fire yeah. and senses, you know, the, the soft focus, all that kind of thing. And here they're having to try and put onto screen this theme of someone who's psychologically trying to break into your mind and control you. And that, that bleed in of the purple is, um, is just amazing. And a bit like with Daredevil, it was, I remember it being one of my points that, you know, Wilson Fisk was not on screen for, um, I think the first four episodes. And yet he had such an influence about this man who was controlling, uh, Hell's Kitchen and, and being this sort of shadowy figure. And again, we have this here. Uh, David Tennant is like amazing. It's just creepy. And, um, he he's driving this story. You can see how much he's affected Jessica Jones, how he's uh, um, affecting um, the other people in this episode. Absolutely. What he brings, you know, like Jessica is ready to to get a flight out of New York to to the Far East to get away from him. You know, she's running to her friends to get money in order to like get away from him. Yeah, the, like whatever he did to Jessica or whatever he made her do. Um, is really menacing and, and troubling for her. And like this to me was like a great introduction um, with hardly any screen time um, for this character of Kilgrave. And, you know, 
again, it's the power of 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 the, the thought or of what's going on in someone's head that you're sort of drawn into this. I mean, I love the corridor scene, for example, which was in the trailer where she, she's flicked the fire alarm on, you've got the flashing lights, and then it just like boom, like switches to this 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 purple and and the silhouette of Kilgrave there, and, and how she's trying to focus back down to take her out of that moment, out of that sort of psychological trauma in terms of recounting all the road names from presumably her childhood or a happy time in her life. Like, really, really good. I, I thought that was, like, awesome in, yeah. in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I love that little touch. And we don't find out early enough in the episode or very early in the episode what it is and why she's reciting the names of the streets. Uh, but essentially it comes from a psychologist or a psychiatrist I do always get those confused, <laughs> um, where who's essentially told her that the streets around her home, the safest place she felt was when she was at home, rename the names, the names of those streets around where you live, and that'll keep you in that safe place so that he can't get to you. Um, you're absolutely right. I love that little touch. And I love at the first time you see Kilgrave is really early on in the episode. It's when she's taking photographs of, of Luke Cage, and he comes in and says... Uh, you know you want to do it. Basically, it's a it's a uh, just do it, Jessica kind of thing. Um, really creepy kind of moment. Yeah, and I, I think we're 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 dancing around the creepiest, mm-hmm. which was the bit that see, yeah, all of us went. Ugh. It's the lick when she's asleep. Oh, that just God. that brings it to a whole new kind of adult level. Like they could have just had him whisper in her ear yeah. when she's asleep, like wake up, Jessica. Yeah. wake up but it was more nope nope we're gonna go full in it was just creepy Absolutely. it was they could have gone somewhere in between they could have toned it down but no they went very max very heavy on that and that would just really showed the the level of the, the, the villainy of who Kilgrave is mm-hmm. and he takes what he wants he does what he wants um because like he's even see Kilgrave and Sorry, guys, for our listeners out there, I'm very an Easter egg kind of Marvel nut. Um, Kilgrave was, like, he's a Daredevil for 1964. There was his first appearance. Um, he was a minor character with just mind control powers who was completely purple. Mm-hmm. He wore purple suits and he was purple. It wasn't until Bendis and uh, Gados brought him back in Alias, kind of, I think it was issue twenty four. Yeah, that he they and they brought him from obscurity back and made him this very creepy, psychologically horrible character. Yeah, like it's just like they they've taken this guy who mind control powers. Yeah, we all kind of go, yeah, it's nice, but then this is what happens when someone gets these powers and is a bit weird anyway and then starts to use them in a bad yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely that psychological trauma aspect of it. It's um, it's that idea that, you know, it's like being broken into in your own home. You know, that lick, she's asleep, she's in her home, she feels safe, and all of a sudden she's taken out of that comfort um, and, and thrown back to this traumatic period where, that she's got to deal with by thinking it or it actually sort of being imparted on her by Kilgrave um this lick to her and I mean we hear that they thought he was dead that they had seen the body and I think was it him being buried so all of this death certificate wasn't it yeah so all of this is like hugely traumatic as soon as she realizes that he's back and like that that has a real tension and a, a real 
like drive to this episode, which is really, really good. Um, Derek, what's your first point? Uh, my first point, I'm going to bring one of mine a little bit further up, I suppose, because it is also about Kilgrave. So nice tie in with your one. Um, it is just how they talk about his powers in this in this episode. Um, we don't see Kilgrave on screen as such. We see memories of him. We see uh, we see discussions about him a lot. Um, and we see obviously the flashes that you were talking about. But one of those which describes the powers really well, I think, uh, is my first point. It's essentially when Jessica goes to Mizu, the Chinese restaurant, which used to be El Rosso, the Italian restaurant. Uh, and the major D there is explaining what happened when Kilgrave went there with Hope, who he, who he's kidnapped. Um, I love this description because it gives a real impression of what the powers do and what uh, and what the controlling is like. So the major D says that he's gotten himself a bottle of $500 wine for free. He's gotten his favorite table in the restaurant, even though somebody else was sitting there. The maitre d' lost his mind and threw them out of the restaurant. He then got the chef, who is an oriental fusion chef, to cook his favorite meal from Il Rosso, the Italian restaurant, for him. The the chef went out, found the recipe, and cooked it for him in the restaurant. So, all those things. This is what people would do if you had mind control powers. You would go and set yourself up with a beautiful woman for the night, get a beautiful restaurant, your favorite restaurant, have your favorite meal, and get a beautiful bottle of wine. But look at the impact it has on the characters around. Look what happens to the Maitre D. He thinks he's lost his mind. He thinks he's gone crazy. He's done something he would never do, which is throw out somebody who's already in the restaurant out of there. The chef, who's not even an Italian chef, went out and cooked a completely different meal that wasn't on the menu for this guy because of the influence he has on him. I love that. I love that they've taken mind control powers. How we would use them if you had, what's your favorite superpower? How would you use it? and turned it into something really creepy and scary for this character. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that they, they, as kind of I discussed, when you think about the the pantheon of superhero powers, Mm. mind control, okay, Professor X kind of does it well, but obviously you can't allude to him because that's Fox. (laughs) Um, Or mutants. Um, But no, the bit I think they're going to do a lot around on this series is Stockholm Syndrome. You've been kidnapped, you grow to love and care about this is more what if you didn't Mm -hmm. this is stuck forced stockholm syndrome so you get ptsd after and i think that that was you specifically that restaurant example was the the one again another creepy bit was smile jessica yeah yeah again then that comes back later on with hope um and i think that's going to be one of the the lines that's going to kind of travel through the whole series. Yeah, absolutely. Not only is he getting the the things that he wants to make his life better, he's also trying to tell people to enjoy it. He's also telling people to smile, to show on their face that they're enjoying it as much as he is. Creepy, creepy stuff. <laughs> creepy, creepy. Yeah, and I think in that instant, it also kind of looks slightly like a, a bit of a cool power that you could, like, say... <laughs> I want that Star Wars figure. For, it's very Jedi. It's like it's really, like really good in that sense. But obviously, he's using it for pure menace and evil. You know, these aren't the defenders you were looking for. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't wouldn't the wouldn't the Black Friday experience be so much easier if you could walk through the crowds and go, "I want that television, and you want to give it to me?" Yeah, okay, grand. <laughs> exactly. and I want it for free. You know, it would be so much easier experience for everybody going on, the, on those shopping trips. Um, Chris, do you want to give us your second point? Sure. Um, I, I'm going to stick kind of with the tone, um, and it's very much the then how adult this series is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's 
straight away okay we've got the pi could have that could have been taken a very more comedic element to it nope this is she's uh, she's an al- she's now an alcoholic almost jessica that she's downing bottles of whiskey uh, those like two bottles different brands as well i think you mentioned absolutely John. yeah yeah it's she's like- not fussy with the the whiskey brand it's jim beam and i think cutty sark is by the by the bedside yeah. table so um yeah is cutty sark a good one it's the Scotch. Oh, okay. Just need an Irish whiskey. They need a Jameson. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I think we'll see Jameson. If not, listen up, Melissa. Get it in there. Reshoot. <laughs> reshoot. <laughs> yeah, I think that the I think they've replaced the old adage of you know the cigarette and whiskey with just a whiskey and a whiskey. I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, the best part was when she took the bottle and then she had that sports bottle mm-hmm. and it's like because she was running into a bit of reconnaissance and then she just emptied the full bottle of whiskey into this metallic there. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. I was good. wondering whether there was already some coke in there or something, but I don't think Jessica's no. a mixer kind of person. No, oh, God, no, not with Jim Bean. <laughs> um, and I think yeah, this this is going to be a very like I think we're going to discuss probably later the 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 love sex relationship kind of points, mm-hmm. but I think this show is very much going to have the adult undertone. Like you could allow a sixteen, seventeen year old, fifteen year old to watch this; mm. they wouldn't get all of it. But I think as an adult, kind of once you're in your t- late twenties, kind of thirties, you're gonna say, okay, she's suffering from PTSD, like post traumatic stress disorder. That is a real thing, and she they they're gonna they're gonna drag her down to the breaker even more than she is now in episode one. Absolutely, um, like they they're talking about Stockholm syndrome with this kidnapping. I think one of the key things was when knowing the Marvel universe and knowing some of the background origins of connections between Jessica Jones and Kilgrave, there's a very ominous um, elephant in the room in the storyline, mm-hmm. which I, we've, we, everyone is like, we've all discussed slightly either on the fringes, cause you don't want to talk about it, Absolutely. which is a, um, a forced encounter. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it that. And I was pretty sure up until watching episode before watching episode one, I was like, that's, they're not going to do this. Yeah. They're not going to, maybe they'll, They'll, they'll allude to it, um, in some kind of flashback, but it never, you'll never see it. You'll never, you'll never hear about it. It will just be kind of there and un- unspoken. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, my gut's now telling me this is going to be a major part of the storyline. It's going to be spoken about. Hell, it might even be shown. <laughs> yeah, I did get a text from Chris last night, uh, just before the episodes were airing. Like, their episode, uh, episodes were airing in 12 hours, and I got a text from Chris last night going, How do you think, how far do you think they're going to push this show? Do you think they're going to show that big moment? And I'm going, You're going to have to watch, Chris. Uh, there are definitely very intense adult scenes in this episode. I think they can go as far as they want to with this show. It's definitely made for adults, yeah. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think that that definitely comes on to one of my points, and that's the relationships, but also just the fact that they have this implicit and explicit sexuality, the mm. real... Um, the, the, the flirting and so on is actually really refreshing to see. You know, it's, it's, it's a natural part of any relationship, whether it's loving, whether it's, um, violent, whether it's tense, you know, these things happen within, a, a, within, uh, relationships. And I think we, we, we see and we know about all those different, uh, facets of it. And I, I think this is really, really um, great to see Marvel taking that handle and saying that, you know, people do have sex and they have sex for various reasons. Um, 
because they just want a physical thing, a an emotional thing, yeah. or it, it's a power thing, and, and all these things coming together. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we haven't seen a scene like that between uh, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage in a Marvel film, absolutely at all. Like that is a proper like um, noir film kind of um, take and look at. Um, a sexual encounter. Like, that's really good. You have, uh, Jaron Hogarth played by Carrie Ann Moss, who has a lesbian relationship with one of her interns or, or secretaries or, or clerical workers, um, but is also in a relationship. And that harks back to this whole thing, um, right at the start where New York is a city that likes to sleep around yeah. that Jessica talks about. Then you have the Kilgrave element from the comics, which, you know, has kind of been alluded to in the sense that we know there's a troubled past there uh, between uh, Jessica and, and Kilgrave. It's not been taken as far as we know it yeah. is in the comics, but it, it it's there and it's present. Yeah. It's driving uh, Jessica Jones's fear um, to to get on a plane and get out of Hong Kong. Yeah, I would definitely say that the lick is an indication of how uh, how invasive already we're we're seeing this we probably will see it a bit more invasive later on in the in the series uh, as those characters get a bit closer i suppose but um but yeah definitely there's some invasiveness there yeah and even then with trish walker and jessica the, the, you know is that just a friendship is it a relationship that's been there in the past or is it just maybe a superhero thing of you know coming together and being together and empathizing with one another but again all these relationships i think are excellent yeah. and the fact that they are also showing um that sexual aspect to it is great i think yeah i think what daredevil did for violence or for the mcu violence in mm -hmm. terms of it was very bloody it was one bam, and not in a thank you, ma'am. It was just like the spike in the head, remember? Yeah, yeah. The, oh, the, yeah. the yeah, car door that, scene, yeah. as you remember, it was yeah, reminded yeah. me about. I've completely forgot about the car door scene. <laughs> that so, still like, with me. Oh, <laughs> who wants a shake? Um, <laughs> but no, I think this is this is going to have the adult tones. I, I like. I think you you'll watch this and kind of go, okay, I see where they're going with it, mm -hmm. and I think it's right. Um, as I said, Marvel did the Max series, and that was a fantastic run with Punisher and all so, that. Because Nick Fury, yeah. and Nick Fury, sorry, I always forget Don't about forget Nick, Nick Fury. Fury is one of the best runs. <laughs> um, I think it's because there's an audience there. Mm -hmm. So I think some younger generations will enjoy this for what it is. It's mm -hmm. a slightly Marvel esque kind of detective show. I think older generation comic book fans will get that this is trying to show the universe in a darker. The dark side of the Marvel Universe. And then I think from what I can guess so far, I think the Law and Order vict Special Victims Unit type of audience will enjoy this show as well. Because it's it's got Law and Order, but uh, Special Victims, and then it's got some superpowers sprinkled in just yeah. for the everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I think just coming back to the, the sex scene as well, you know. Always. It, absolutely. <laughs> it was like, you know, it was pretty hot, actually. And I mean... Quite frankly, I love the, um, you know, this, this slight lady and this big hulking sort of pumped man together. And I love the, uh, I loved how, you know, she says, don't worry, I won't break. It's kind of alluding to, you know, the unbreakable Luke Cage and so on. And I know we had had that chat immediately after 
about whether, um, you know, does Luke Cage already have his powers yeah, here? Yeah. It kind of alludes within that intimate moment that uh, he does. He doesn't yeah. want to hurt her. Uh, as, Absolutely. As, he, sa- he says, I, 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 I am going to hurt you if I go any uh, harder, I suppose, would be the way we take it. Deeper, faster, But there's almost that allusion to the fact that he is already super-powered and she's telling him, I'm super-powered, so I, the two of us work very well together, essentially. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. And, of course, I don't want to bring it down to, to base, uh, but, you know, I did spot within the cupboard um, in the bathroom after uh, the sex scene, there was uh, a little jar of Vaseline as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Giggity, giggity. <laughs> while the rest of us you can looking, always take that out if you think... While the rest of us were looking at the photograph that was in there. Yes, that's what <laughs> I was going to say. The rest of us go, oh, my God, what's that? Is that part of his origin story? He's like, ooh, Vaseline. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that sex scene set the tone in that it was very much okay this guy's this is what you're going to get this is the types of psychological stuff you're going to see this is the types of um, mind messing you're going to see Absolutely. oh here's some of the sex scenes you're going to see yeah. um, I, I love how Luke Cage and Jessica Jones went straight from flirting in the bar to sex in his apartment and I was like that's real life absolutely the gritty side of real life and one of the things that people were always worried about Disney buying Marvel that this would have a huge effect on how these movies and TV shows were going that Disney would Disneyfy them there is no way possible 20 years ago or 10 years ago that Disney would allow these kind of scenes in their shows they would definitely have you know oh well, they're gonna something big has to happen beforehand they have to go on five or six dates before they end off in each other's apartment you know um, that's not the same now Although I would love to see some of the, uh, the the Jessica Jones versions of the Disney princesses, that would be amazing. <laughs> Princess Jasmine, Sleeping Beauty, like on a night out on the town, uh-huh. getting teared up, going oh home with all the men. <laughs> like I, I, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty sure there is pornos like set around those. Sure but uh, I'd still like to see the TV show. They I'm sure there are, but as well, can I just bring it back to actually? One of my other points as well. Okay. Um, just because I think it links in and it's something Chris has said, um, which is one of my favorite scenes because it's both bringing Jessica Jones's character and Luke Cage's character is the lead up to the sex scene, the whole flirting in the bar. Absolutely. I think, you know, it starts off with a great line from Luke Cage, which is there's a lot of bull from such a small woman. And, you know, um, Jessica is probing and, and trying to sort of investigate Luke Cage. And, she, you know, she, she asks, um, have you got family, friends that live around here? And he goes, no, I've got regulars. And it's a great line. Yeah. Um, and there's just this lovely back and forth between the two of them, which I think really develops their relationship, really um, develops each individual characters um you know as kind of jessica jones kind of picks luke cage apart that she goes you know you'll allow someone to be sick over you but if they break something intentionally then you you will go after them you know there's memories in this bar but there's no memorabilia uh, and you care for this dive bar yeah uh, like it's a really great thing that builds up this um this tension between the two leading to that sex scene. And, you know, Luke is kind of going, this is how you flirt, isn't it? This is what you're doing. Um, like, I just love that scene. That, for me, was one of the best scenes um, in, in this episode as well. Yeah. And what it leads to as a defining moment, maybe for, for Marvel on TV or, or Marvel anywhere, is, like, fantastic. Yeah, and I love that 
that Jessica's response to him telling her that's how you flirt is, I don't flirt, I just tell you what I want, and then it cuts straight to the sex scene, <laughs> which I think is brilliant. A, a beautiful moment for, for Jessica, essentially, just to assert herself as a woman in this moment going, well, I'm telling you what I want. You don't have to play coy with me. You don't have to do anything. I want to go to bed with you, and I'm gonna. it's going to happen, essentially. So, uh, yeah, really, really good. Uh, on that, though, I think the actress choice with Ritter... Oh. Was is just damn. She is perfect. definitely. Perfect. She ha- she has the what I've always imagined Jessica Jones tone and style and vocalization and directness, which we you see in the comics between herself and Luke Cage and him, her and Colt, Coulter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they that chemistry, I I was a bit worried. I didn't think there would be chemistry. Really, like I've you kind of see like. No, there's chemistry there. Like that, mm-hmm. that's a that's a well thought out casting choice, and the two of them are fantastic actors. The bit I like is obviously Ritter was known for many films and TV shows, but the bitch in Apartment Twenty Three, mm-hmm. she's channeling elements of that, really? and I think just skipping to the very end. When she at the episode when she turns around and looks in the with the camera pans and she's looking at the camera then she walks back in that's very much the bitch is back right right. I'm not going anywhere and I was like that's what you expect from this hardened kind of whiskey drinking PI yeah 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 definitely and it kind of brings me on to my next point um, which is about Luke Cage himself Uh, that character is great really enjoyment yeah I totally agree with the casting of of, uh, Christian Ritter being brilliant but the casting of Mike Coulter here I think we saw photographs of him uh, just after being cast and instantly I went that's our Luke Cage I totally see it I, I get it I can see how he can even hold his own show already just from these couple of scenes that are in here um, but my actual point is really about the portrayal of men in the episode and up until Luke Cage we got no good men in here uh, which I think is really interesting no uh, no dependable men, nobody that was uh, really honest and working with with um, with Jessica. We had um, the father of uh, the kidnapped daughter who's more worried about her door and fixing it than he is about telling her the story of the daughter that's been kidnapped. Um, we had the useless college student who essentially gets slapped across the face <laughs> that by Jessica so in a hilarious moment because he's trying to make his arty project. They're useless background characters to all the strong female characters in here. Malcolm? And I think that's brilliant. Malcolm, I will talk about that okay. because I love him. I think he's great already. But he's but trouble. He's useless. He's, trouble. <laughs> he's useless again. And I love this. It, there's a there's a test that's done on Hollywood films by um, by some groups essentially that talk about you know whether a film passes the test of can a woman go through more than one scene in a film that doesn't talk about a boyfriend or doesn't relate to the main male protagonist in. That show or TV show. That but don't t- they show all talk about the boyfriends in the in the, like? Sorry, Isn't I'm only joking. Yeah. But like, but that's... it's amazing how many, how much of a proportion of movies fail that test. It's over ninety five percent of films have the female character talking about the male character or the male protagonist in those shows it's so refreshing to see that this isn't dependent on a male character you've got Sharon Hogarth who's a lesbian as John mentioned who is surrounded by females around her you've got Kristen Ritter's character of Jessica whose best friend is Trish Walker it's not a another male the only other male in her life is as you said Malcolm who is a complete loser uh, who has nothing useful for her but he's he's local to her um, and then the first person that she meets in the show that we see 
is located, the first male that's actually dependable and can spar with her. And there's a really good rapport between the two. And I think that's really fascinating to see. And is she investigating him? That's an interesting one. Yeah, I I had that as well because she talks about an ex case. Yeah, that she wants to go out. Like she's she's just gotten into bed and like there's obviously stuff whirring around in her head. She gets up, she fills the flask with whiskey, she goes out, and then she's kind of got the camera trained on a building. But then it focuses on on uh, on Luke Cage, and I was just like, you know, she talks about she just can't let it go. Mm. And is it just purely that? Luke Cage was a previous investigation or, or is an ongoing investigation mm. or is it just that she's spotted him for a while now and she's wanted to sort of hook up with him yeah. like I thought the same thing as like is that why she's investigating this yeah and that's why I thought so I, I actually think there's going to be you're right they're, they're basically it's not a feminist bur- bra burning type show but it is there are useless men <laughs> and or evil men I think Luke Cage is going to fall in the possible middle. He may be a mark from previous case, or he so he was cheating on, or he like we see a woman mm-hmm. uh, come out of the park. Could that be his wife? And then he's just gone, and Jessica's entrapped him and slept with him, maybe not meaning to do it, meaning to just keep an eye. And then she fell in love with him. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Like, could it be he's married? Maybe, maybe. I, I I took it slightly differently. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the, the seeing it the second time or just knowing that there's such a, a pressure on Jessica from her past. The way I was kind of seeing it is, is she investigating him to make sure that he won't hurt her before she approaches him for a conversation? So she he says that he sees her outside the bar very often, but she never comes in. Um, and invites her in for free drinks, essentially, uh, for the night. Yeah. Great flirting way. That's it. Any any bartenders out there? That's obviously how you get your women. Um, <laughs> bring them indoors and ply them full of alcohol. But I do like that. I wonder, did is she investigating him not because of a case, but because she wants to make sure this isn't going to be someone that hurts him? Wants to make sure that he is the right kind of man for her. I just thought that was quite an interesting. Touch, yeah. But yeah. No. No. Yeah. yeah definitely. definitely. And of course, let's not forget the other useless man the one that she's actually trying to serve papers to for jaron hogarth and um, like fantastic where it's i'll melt your insides with laser beams yeah. and all that and she's like moron. laser eyes laser yeah. eyes yeah. yeah yeah like she just goes what a moron as she walks away like that yeah. is that's the most useless of, of, of those men like I think um, in fairness to the father, I think he might be deflecting from his anxiety over his lost daughter, Hope. Um, that's why he's fiddling with the door. Yeah. But it's 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 but his wife who is focused on making sure that the daughter is found. Definitely, exactly. You can't even build up the strength to talk to Jessica. Uh, the worst thing, listeners, about going third in a podcast where it's a five point podcast is somebody always steals your points just before you say them, and sometimes doesn't give them your full your full points. So I'm going to jump in uh, and. Throwing my point at the, my favorite scene in the episode. I think I'm we've sorry. all talked about favorite scenes so far, but my favorite scene is serving the summons to Spheris. Uh, it's lots of S's. Um, but I, yeah, I, I love it, be, particularly because he calls out something that one of our listeners had a question about, which is why is Jessica Jones ignored in this world if she has superpowers? And he calls it out. Sveris says to her, I'm going to tell everybody you have superpowers. I'm going to tell everybody you held up the car, you threatened me with your violent acts. Um, and you'll be thrown out of hiding and everybody will hate you. And she calls it out immediately. She says, 
nobody cares because nobody wants to believe that a little woman like me can do all of this stuff. Nobody will believe you, essentially. I love that little call out to the fact that she is part of this wider Avengers universe, this wider Marvel superhero universe. She has powers and he's trying to threaten her with it. But this isn't like um, this isn't like X-Men. This isn't like Heroes where revealing her secret identity as a superhero is going to make uh, is going to ruin her life. Her life's pretty much ruined already. She's a hard drinking woman who is pretty much destroyed. She doesn't care what anybody thinks of her and she'll use her powers to get uh, to get a paycheck. Essentially. Yeah. And I, so I'm going to jump in on this one because it was one of my points. Superpowers as a whole. In the MCU, so we're pretty much expected to believe that the timeline with our current, where we are now, present day, mm-hmm. is pretty much similar. So what, 2002 uh, was the Avengers? So Iron Man. Wait, 2002? Is it that long ago? Wow, that's a long time, so. isn't it? I'll double check. Um, and I'll, we'll, I'll basically put it in on the, the next, uh, or later on in the episode. But... So what we're saying is this is still a new thing. Like it's a, it's a decade of kind of superheroes, but what you're seeing is it's used to probably only the big guys. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously in Civil War they oh my god sorry it was 2008. Oh right okay okay, okay that's a bit better right Perfect. so it's eight years ago. Yeah. Um, they they they've only seen like the attack on New York City and mm-hmm. um, we've seen the, in obviously Age of Ultron which is this is set after Age of Ultron and um, they there was an attack there. they're only seeing this world changing and there's probably only people who are going the man in the iron suit the guy with the magical hammer like a guy who turns green they're not seeing little Miss Jones walking yeah. down and superpowers are new yeah. superpowers are scary but they don't care. They still will shrug it off. And I think that's what, I think that's part of what this is, this show will be about, which is nobody's going to believe in superpowers mm-hmm. at the first go. And when they do, that's when they're going to get scared. Yeah. So like, that's, I think also how they'll bring in the Iron Fist magical elements, um, which is like, Madame Gao is doing all this crazy stuff, but yeah. no one thinks this little old lady's doing it, and they think people are like, you're taking drugs, or you're drunk, or you're crazy. Yeah. And like, how, how, because we saw Jessica, she jumped like what, two stories? Mm-hmm. Or did she fly two stories? So, uh, we need to figure that one out. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll see her fly, because I want her to fly. Okay. Um, We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they'll do the flying in this because mm-hmm. it's a bit too hero esque. Then if they do it, yeah, we'll see. There's, there is also Supergirl on TV at the moment as yeah. well. So, um, I'm yeah, I, I'm I'm liking how they show her powers in this episode. Definitely. Yeah, lifting the car was brilliant. I'm just holding. Did you see? She was holding the finger with the car door. Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah. Love that he she was just pushing. Kept pushing it back. Yeah, crazy. but then she just had her finger against it. Yeah. So obviously he was still trying to push, and she was just holding it with her like finger. Yeah. It's like. It's going to be interesting, I think, mm-hmm. how they portray superpowers in this, and how the, more how the world of the, the of the MCU Netflix, no, we'll, what we'll call it M N MCU, maybe yeah, the Netflix yeah. MCU, yeah. um, how that's going to react to a girl who just picked up a car, yeah, to a guy who can control other people, yeah. and I think you said it when the. Um, with the waiter part, the beginning of the, the when we saw the uh, the Kilgrave, uh, well, we didn't see Kilgrave. We heard Kilgrave talk to Jessica in this flashback scene. Mm-hmm. The 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 maitre d was like, I don't know, I, I'm going crazy. Why did I kick people out? Mm-hmm. He's not 
open to some guy just mind controlled me. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that's going to be interesting. Definitely. Like, can we see, will a cop put a gun on another cop? Mm-hmm. Because Kilgrave told him to. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like I um, love the, like I love the subtlety of the superpowers yeah. in, in this. Like, uh, yeah, Daredevil has them as well, but they're much more under the radar. Uh, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> definitely, um, it's 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 really much more subtle. Hers are much more um, obvious to people if you can fly or if you have super strength. Uh, Daredevils are, are much more purred back and internal to, mm. to how he operates because otherwise he primarily has the, the martial arts element uh, that, that drives his, his, um, his physical presence in the world. Here, Jessica Jones, like even with the door handles, breaking the, the door handle off and saying, oh, the door was open and yeah. all this kind of thing. Um, I thought it was a really nice, subtle way of introducing her superhero powers, the fact that she can do some of these um, extraordinary things, but not taking it too far. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not at this stage. And maybe building it up, it'll be interesting to see how it, it pans out over... Um, the other 12 episodes. Yeah, and I know we don't know how she got her superpowers. And in, I think in Daredevil, they waited till episode two to talk about how he got the superpowers, or did they? Or was it a little bit in episode one as well, the flashback no, to him was, as a child? It was, was that how yeah. it opened? So in this episode, am, am I right in saying this is the first Marvel character that that is in the world with their superpowers and we haven't seen their origin in their intro? Because I don't think we've seen... I don't think we've seen any origin. Iron Man has a suit, which he built himself, Um Captain America was given the super soldier uh, serum, so he wasn't born with this, essentially. Daredevil was created after having the accident. Thor is from another planet. Hulk, are we... Is, Hulk, is that, Hulk, is Hulk that, is an experiment as but well. But is Ang Lee's... Is that canon? Pretty much. Uh, well, uh, the uh, Ed Norton one is definitely canon, so... Um, but we didn't so they see said, the origin. So they said in that, yeah. Oh, they, did, they said yeah. it was a, a, an experiment that went wrong. So is Jessica the first super-powered human now that we don't have an origin of her powers? Does she Has she always had these? I'm interested to know. And maybe there's two as well with Luke Cage. So And well, Kilgrave. Yeah. yeah. And Kilgrave, yeah. yeah. So, this, so this could be a whole show of powered individuals that are coming out of the woodwork. Um, so that's definitely. Really interesting. Yeah. So, um, Chris, what's uh, what's your next point? Um, okay, I'm going to go very quickly into it, and it's one that I have a serious gripe with. Okay. We're back to gifted... Okay. Gifted individuals. <laughs> Just Marvel and Disney have enough money. They bought Star Wars. Uh, okay, it's not um, Activision's and Candy Crush type uh, money, which was, what, like $8.2 billion. Wow. But um, it was more than Star Wars. Disney buying Star Wars for Crazy. that Activision Candy Crush act. Uh, Acquisition. Sorry, I got really business nerdy on there for really nerdy things too. But um, it's they need to buy the rights back for superheroes or special or because we've got or mutants maybe mutants. I that's what I want because what we what do you have? You have enhanced mm-hmm. in Marvel's Agents of Shield, which is in the same universe. Mm-hmm. It's MCU. So why don't they just call it that? Because and you brought up a point because that's Inhumans. Yes. They have to use that for the humans when explaining. So, what? So we're gonna have a nut with second round now of people, which is just gonna be gifted. Are you gifted or are you enhanced? Yeah. But then, what does that make Bucky? What does that make? They're miracles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the miracles was the other one as well. Yeah. 
Yes, miracles were used for Inhumans before uh, yeah. before the Enhanced. I I think it comes from um, Joss Whedon's run on X Men, where which the arc for that was called the Gifted, essentially. So I think they may have just taken the term and expanded it into the universe, so that they don't have to use the term mutants, which they don't own, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I think it's possibly that, but it is it is an interesting point, isn't it? It's- but I, I like it, and because I kind of look at it in the way they used it in The Walking Dead, where they don't call dead people zombies because they never saw a zombie movie or a zombie TV show. And every group they encounter across the course of that series and across across the course of those books, every group has a different name for the characters. Sometimes it's walkers, sometimes it's something else, because they that's their experience and they've come up with their own word for it. So in these pockets of the Marvel Universe, the reason why they don't call them particular examples is because it's still quite small. I know it seems, it seems like it shouldn't be after eight films, but it's still quite small. There's still a, quite a small number of people involved and there's nothing splashed across the front of the Daily Bugle that tells you what to call these characters. It's, I'm calling you gifted because, well, you are gifted to me because you're better at running or better at jumping than I am. So Thank you're you. gifted at that. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, I just think, I think they need to, because we're going to, the canon's getting bigger, the universe is getting bigger with each new property, they need to f- pick something. Mm-hmm. Because what you have, and I know my girlfriend is going to, I'm going to, she's going to hear the word gifted. And I've tried to explain that enhanced is actually in humans and they're part of the Terrigan mist and they're right. kind of aliens, biology, and they got Crete. And she just doesn't get oh, it. It's just like, boom. Yeah. And it's only because I, I have a fascination with the Marvel universe and every, all the comics and love the connected parts of it. But no, they need to settle soon mm-hmm. because additionally, and we, we chatted about this over text yesterday before the show, before it came out, is like, will we see cameos from Coulson mm. uh, or Daisy? Uh, or we, we know we'll probably see kind of um, uh, Matt Murdock uh, or and or his alter ego Daredevil Maybe. at some point. Maybe. Because yeah. they'll keep the Netflix. But will they bring in the, the, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Mm-hmm. And if they do, will they use the word gifted or enhance? Will Daisy turn around and go, oh, you're gifted. Oh, you're enhanced too. I'm like, I'm not enhanced, I'm gifted. Right. Oh, no, well, okay, well, I'm enhanced. <laughs> well, are we different? Are we not different? Yeah. Neither of them, we haven't talked about mutants yet. I know. Like, they're not even in this the, the universe. Yeah. We've got just people with superhero powers. I know. And, well, we got Thor as an alien. So, yes. Okay, different. But no, I just think they need <laughs> to... He's a god. No, he's not a god. He's no. not a god. He's, he's an, an alien. alien. No, <laughs> no they just, I, think, I think we just need to pick a term... And stick to it. As, That's interesting. As, as an audience, we need to go, okay, you're going to use the word enhance. You're going to use the word gifted. We're going to see, just pick a bucket and, and we're going to catch all term like, oh, you're a pen. Good. Okay. So going forward, I'm going to refer to all superhero powers or superhero people as pens. I think this is going to be how the <laughs> civil war starts over the term. <laughs> it's Daisy versus Jessica. Jessica wants to call herself gifted and Daisy wants to call herself enhanced. enhanced. And that's how the civil war begins. Whose side are you on, yeah. listeners? Uh, John, do you want to give us your next point? Yeah, I'm sat here with my Iron Fist t-shirt on and I see that Jaron Hogarth, Carrie Moss is here. Another link to the Iron Fist and this is basically as well on the back of the news that Joe Quesada has said that Marvel and Netflix are still developing Iron Fist. You know, there have been rumours that this may have been shelved and may have been scrapped. But we had Madame Gao and the um, steel serpent symbol in Daredevil. We now have um, a gender-bending uh, Jaron Hogarth as Karen, Carrie Ann Moss. 
and um, the Iron Fist connection there. Her uh, character is ultimately a, a, a legal firm. It's a lawyer um, who hopefully has connections to Danny Rand. So for me, this is really cool. Yeah, it's really good. You know, she's there in the the law firm, and it's Hogarth Chow. So there is um, uh, an, an Eastern influence there, and there's a third partner which I, I actually can't remember. I didn't take that down in in my notes, but there's three partners. Well, I there. think I did a Denowitz. I think and Denowitz. So it's Hogarth Chow and Denowitz. That's the legal partnership, mm. um, and this to me is a great little. Um, Nuggets of information that here we have Jaron Hogarth, who may come and become the uh, CEO of Rand Corp. Mm. All those elements uh, just being teased here as well, connected with Jessica Jones. Um, and obviously, even just having Luke Cage there, who is one of Danny Rand's friends yeah. in Heroes for Hire. Fantastic. So I'm a happy bunny as well here at the moment in relation to Iron Fist coming down the the line and um, in the the Marvel Netflix uh, schedule yeah. uh, in the future. I like so, that they, I like that they're continuing the connections again to to Iron Fist and setting it up. They might as well. They've got some episodes to talk about. Um, I don't think there's going to be a huge amount in Jessica Jones. Probably going to be a lot in uh, in Luke Cage setting up Iron Fist. Um, but yeah, yeah, really good, uh, really good spot there, John. So Derek, what's your next point? Uh, my next point is about hope. Um, Aaron Moriarty playing the character really i'm going to leave the bigger point to somebody else but i have to just say the casting of this actress in the part is fantastic for me it gave me that instant moment of yeah she's a college student really good career and she's been kidnapped and everybody's just ignoring it her best friend is ignoring it saying some guys involved doesn't matter her parents are kind of ignoring it because she's calling them every week and the actual actress who's playing this part is doing a fantastic job. I saw, I saw her heart break uh, in in moments later on uh, in the episode, which I think one of you guys has the point for. Um, I saw the moment when, when she's confronted by Jessica and asked to leave the clutches of Kilgrave, the moment when she tells, tells her, I can't leave because he told me to stay and I've wet the bed. Um, it's a real interesting moment because it could come across as a kind of funny moment, but she plays it as... I'm totally trapped here and you don't understand to everybody around her that nobody else would understand what she's going through. I understood it from her face, from her expression and from the acting of this actress. Such a well cast part. Fantastic work from, from this actress who I've never seen anything else before. Delighted to to see this character in there. Yeah, she she was really, really good. I mean, I loved the scene where you know, Kilgrave's still in her mind. She's been five hours on, on the bed in the hotel room. Mm. Um, and Jessica is trying to get her out of the hotel room. And that fight, that irrational fight with Jessica Jones to just stay in this bedroom. Yeah. Um, and the only reason it's resolved is because she's knocked out on the doorframe. Like, I love that. I thought that was a really cool little scene, actually. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Chris, what's your uh, next point? Trish Walker. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I think so. In some of the comic books, Jessica Jones did have a brief string uh, stint as a journalist um, mm -hmm. with her. I don't think she's going to do that. She won't have had that background in this. I think we see that Trish Talk, her Trish Walker's talk show, yeah. Trish Talk, uh, was on a bus. Mm -hmm. So I think Trish is going to be the media side of this kind of series. Yeah, um, I think. We don't know that relationship, but you alluded to it. Could they be ex-lovers? Could um, they? Could they be just best friends? Mm -hmm. So 
for our listeners out there, Trish Walker is canon from the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. She's also known as Hellcat. She is a superhero. She had psychic powers. Mm. She is a fighter. She does have psych- psychic powers mm. in the comic books. Um, so I'm wondering, are they best friends? Well, how much she seems like she knows all about the about Kilgrave story background. Yeah, yeah. Um, did did Trish Walker save her? Is Trish gifted as well mm. already? Um, and just hiding it. Um, how how what is the background? What does she know? What like I'm just very that's the side story I want right now. Yeah, I I, I want to know more about that. I love the actress. Um, I don't. I, I it, she's one of the very much you know her face, but can't point to where she was mm. um before um but it i think it's it's going to be interesting i i do i would love to see her don the hellcat some kind of hellcat costume i don't know if we're at costumes level daredevil waited to the very last yeah. episode so i don't think we're gonna get the jewel costume i don't think we're gonna get power power man's armor mm. straight away we did get we did get luke cage in his yellow shirt right at the start of the episode which i thought was a nice little touch yeah but i want him in a silver headband with like <laughs> the, 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 the you want afro back i do i want i want afro power man like <laughs> if we're gonna do this we're gonna do funky where you go sweet christmas like it's just gonna be really bad uh-huh. um but no, I think that that, that was fantastic. I think that's something interesting. I want to see where that goes. Yeah, totally agree. Trish Walker's character is really interesting. When I like how fully formed the character is. It's not their best friends because they call each other every night on the phone. They're best friends because she does know about Kilgrave. She knows everything that Jessica's gone through. And Jessica's ignored her for months and then turns up on her doorstep, well, on her windowsill, uh, at night and asks her for quite a lot of money to pay for a trip, a trip to another country. And she says to her, I haven't heard from you in months. But the money's yours. So they are best friends because there's an existing history and a really deep connection there between the two of them. Not because they've got they talk about boyfriends every night. It's a good connection and a good character again. And Trish is the one that puts the the little sort of nugget of, of an idea in Jessica's mind that, that maybe she should stay and fight. Yeah. And, and help other people who really can't deal with Kilgrave. There's this idea that Jessica at least has some way of being able to deal with him to break the spell that he can hold on people and that she should try and use that in order to, um, help other people who really aren't able to do that. So yeah. I really like that little bit as well. Yeah. yeah. And, okay, so the uh, question is, I know when we talked about it very quickly in, our syn- in the synopsis, she's an ex-superhero. Mm-hmm. Is she an ex-superhero? Is that confirmed? Did she do a stint in a costume already? And she's now down and out? She or- says it to Luke, yeah. She says it to Luke. I've tried it before. Uh, that's where that's what got me into this. This is my new job. And she says that she's a PI. So she's confirming she was a superhero at some point. So well, that was in the trailer. No, no, that was in the conversation in the bar. She no, she never mentioned, but she didn't mention superhero. She didn't mention superhero. She said she's done that before. The PI part is her new job. Yeah. She's trying to settle into it. So my feeling, and we'll probably get it in a later episode. I don't want to go into too much because we'll have nothing to talk about in the future episodes. My feeling is that this is why Kilgrave may have targeted her. Yeah, okay. He found out that she had powers and he targeted her. So we'll see that probably in a future episode. We haven't seen any episodes, so we're hopefully not spoiling anything that, that may, be, uh, may be a shock. What I kind of, what I'm putting money down is Trish has something to do with the superhero element. Right. Because she was their best friend. She she probably, she's a talk show host. She may be psychic, have powers as well. Yeah. I think there's a, 
was there a, a, a duel in Hellcat team up back right. in the day when they were teen when they were twenty year olds? There is there is an Avenger in the comic books, and again, don't want to spoil the comic books either. But there is an Avenger in the comic book that I think Trish's character is replacing. Uh, that is Jessica's confidant uh, as well. So yes. yeah, there's definitely a, there's definitely another another character that's very similar to. But on that, John, I think we're on to our final point. John, what's your final point? I am doing the biggie. You know mm-hmm. the the shocking end. What a moment! Like both disturbing, hugely cruel to hope, um, menacing. I mean, up to this point, there's been that build where as soon as Jessica realizes who's involved, that there's this underlying menace, and now, you know, at the moment where she feels she's combated it and saved hope, you know, and at the end, um, Hope says to her, you saved my life. It's, it's, yeah, a big hug, going away with the, with the parents, and it is ripped from both Hope and from Jessica, that sense of, of accomplishment, of triumph over Kilgrave, Mm. with the mind control that is still dormant within Hope's mind, and she shoots her parents. And, you know, that that final moment where the 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 lift, the elevator doors open, and she kind of looks at Jessica and says, "Smile," and then Ugh. suddenly the spell is gone. Yeah. She's got a gun in her hand. Her mom and dad are brutally killed by her own hand, mm. although not by her own will. Um, and she just sinks to the floor, crying and so on. Like it is really cruel and a cruel shocking ending um, and something that really sets up just quite how far the menace and and control that Kilgrave can have over people will go like brilliant ending and it's such a great twist like I loved it I absolutely loved it for just like pulling you off balance you know yeah. the happy ending doesn't happen mm. i loved it really good it's it's interesting isn't it a scene like that can change the tone of an entire episode that you've watched uh, i was looking at this when we were at new york comic-con i was thinking this is quite a good intro show for these characters loving the characters loving the interplay between them yeah okay there's, there's a background character of Kilgrave. we'll see him in a future episode we'll see what he does this is grand this is a nice intro she saves the day off they go into the into the lift She's going to maybe move offices or something to get away from Kilgrave because he knows where she's where she stays, and then that happens, and it changed the whole episode for me. I realized this is not going to be a show of happy endings. This is going to be a show of a really tough character fighting back against something insurmountable for her in the past. So I think it really did change the episode for me, and loved it. And I will say the hush that came over the crowd in New York Comic Con at that scene. And the gasps in an audience of 5,000 people seeing this for the first time was phenomenal to experience. Uh, and I think the hush lasted right the way through to the epi- end of the episode. Credits rolled. There was a nice pause for a second or two. And then the applause and cheering started. So I can see why the reaction was that strong to this episode. Chris, what did you think? Yeah, no, um, I, 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 I very much agree with you. Um, I had a, a slight fear. Not fear, fear is too strong of a word. Um, when it was closing, the elevator's closing, everything was happy. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we're going to have like uh, 13, well, 12 episodes of a, a case in episode mm. with some allusion to uh, Kilgrave and the past. And she's going to do all these different investigations and is it she's going to happily close it? I, I thought we may be getting that. And mm-hmm. I was like, uh, that's not going to be fantastic. I'll, I'll go with it. As soon as the, 
the, that smile creeped onto the girl's face, onto Hope's face. I was like, nope, nope, it's going, nope. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. They, <laughs> they right in the fields. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, uh, but then they, 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 the writers, the cinematography twisted it so amazingly in that it was like her line when it was like, smile, Jessica. Yeah. And then when Jessica goes out, and the camera pans from in front of her to behind her, and you can see her doing the inner monologue, kind of like, no, I'm going to say, and she then st- struts or strolls or bursts back strides in. Back strides, in. Yeah. 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 Strides back in. I think you're right. It was That ending was powerful enough to twist the whole episode on its head yeah. in that, you're right, I now think this is not, this is going to be the brutal that's where my whole, this is the brutal version of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. This is a psychological version. Daredevil uses his fists. This is, or his fists, violence solved most of the problems. Yeah. This is going to be the one that makes you kind of sit down and go, okay, we're going to need like 20 minutes, guys, before I can talk about this. Yeah. Because I need, I need to digest <laughs> what just happened to this episode. And we did, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that's all the points we have on the, on this episode of Jessica Jones. We're really looking forward to the next episode. Anybody have any little notes to talk about? Just some short points? Um, I'm putting a, a note out to our listeners. Um, basically, if you've heard me before when we did Daredevil, I love to pull out all the Easter eggs. Obviously, we had Alias Investigations as one in this one. Mm-hmm. But there, the, there's a few more that I'm pretty sure I missed. I'm going to do a, a small, as my topic in, in episode two, where I'll pull out some of the episode one and episode two Easter eggs. Uh-huh. But if you guys, if you find Easter eggs that I've missed, call them out. Literally just pull pull them out there and then we'll throw them in and we'll read that out in our feedback. Yeah, and just send those into feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Yeah, I've got um, one note. Um, It probably gives me a slight reputation. Um, You know, I've already talked about the sex scene, but I loved it when she sat on the toilet uh, doing the investigation and trying to find out where her her target is going to be so that she can serve the papers. It's just like funny little touch. Really, really funny. Um, we've all had that moment where we've been sat on the toilet and, no. and the mobile phone has gone off and it's like, do I answer it? Do I not answer it? Um, <laughs> and we all have that. You know, moment. she's sat there, she's putting on the sort of the, the voice to, to, to get that information from the, the other person at the other end of the phone. And I just kind of loved that working of the case, you know, committed to it 24 seven. Even when she's gone to the loo, she's still working the case. Fantastic little, just fun thing. Yeah. Well, some of our listeners have wondered why we don't have a dial-in number for these uh, for these shows. Yeah, there's, there's the no, reason. No, no, and now it, it puts a whole new light into my previous conversations with you, John. There's, I'm like, like, like going to be thinking like, where is he now? Where no. is he answering it? <laughs> yeah, never phone in. Um, and of course, there was no loo roll. Uh, now and, that um, is a problem I've had before. Yeah, that can be problematic. Yeah. Well, if you have a B day and you're in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> she's gone paperless as well because she's on the computer in there. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just got a couple of little notes to talk about. Uh, one of the ones which I did mention earlier on a little bit, but it's Malcolm. Um, <laughs> this character just made me laugh. It's essentially uh, her... It looks like a guy who lives in her building. Uh, our introduction to the character, who we know is a central character to the show. He's one of the... Uh, he's, he's called out in the opening titles as well. Uh, an actor by the name of Eka Darvel's playing him. Um, but he's a heroin addict, basically. You can see that from, uh, from some of the, some of the, uh, the makeup that he's got that, that's been done for the character. You can see his lips. Yeah, you can see the lips are 
white. You can see the track marks on his arms. But I love the intro to this character is, what are you doing in my apartment? It's not your apartment. This is my apartment. Oh, okay. And that's I, why the peanut butter is smooth. That's why the peanut butter is smooth. Yeah. And then later on, the uh, you can have my TV. No, you're okay. You can keep it. Oh, well, I stole it anyway. I kind of thought so. Um, <laughs> this character is providing a little bit of comic relief so far in the couple of scenes that he was in here, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him again uh, like that. And my final point, which is one that we didn't actually mention, is the music for the episode. My God, it is shows the intensity uh, so well. The guy who's done, doing the music for the for the show is brilliant. The uh, really intense, the discordant kind of violins that are playing as Jessica's trying to track down Kilgrave. Um, you can tell that she's being dragged along. Her heart, is, the heartbeat is pounding through the music. It's fantastic, and the intensity of it really, really had an effect on me uh, watching this, this episode, particularly, and definitely in those scenes of the investigation where Jessica is trying to track down Kilgrave, where she's in the in the taxi trying to get out of the city, and the the intensity is rising and rising as she's thinking back on what's going on. Fantastic, fantastic music. Really looking forward to more of that. Definitely. Well, I think that is our discussion of episode one of Jessica Jones. So it's just for me to then ask, Derek, do you defend episode one of Jessica Jones, a.k.a. Ladies' Night? Absolutely. Well, we saw this episode a month and a half ago and couldn't talk about it to anybody. We're delighted to have been able to share our thoughts. And my instant reaction after walking out of that auditorium was... I can't wait to watch the next episode. I can't wait to watch the series, and I can't wait for tons of people to have watched it. It's brilliant. I love it. I absolutely love it. So I defend. So Chris, do you defend Jessica Jones episode one? Hundred percent. A hundred percent. This was the opening I was looking for in this series. Mm-hmm. It shocked. It made me giggle. It made me cringe. It made me shudder mm-hmm. uh, with the lick. Ooh. Um, <laughs> It has all the elements and it hasn't, at, the, at at this point, it's pointing in all the right directions. Mm-hmm. Based on Daredevil's trajectory, we'll see two or three episodes go up and then we'll have a couple of kind of filler episodes maybe. But I don't think so. I think they've learned their lessons. I think this is the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think this is just going to crescendo into this massive 13 episode and fi- finale. Um, and I think if this is what they opened with, I can't wait for episode two, can't wait for episode three. I yep. just, I want to binge, but you guys never allow me. <laughs> <laughs> and John, do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones? I do defend this episode of Jessica Jones. I'm going to give the episode 4.5 bottles of whiskey out of five. Wow. So a light night um, <laughs> for, for us there with uh, half a bottle remaining. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, love this. I love the fact that there are ladies in the show front and centre and powerful, uh, troubled, delicate. And this is, in my view, um, the, the, the true element of strong ladies but also who have weaknesses and are able to express them. Mm -hmm. This is really well done. And maybe you could argue you can see that there is a a woman's touch at the hand of of the showrunner, definitely. Um, I love the menace of Kilgrave. I absolutely adored the bar scene between Luke and uh, Jessica and how that moved into something that is ultimately exploring such a... uh, common adult theme of sexuality and sex and relationships absolutely fantastic but it's all wrapped up with some great witty humor some real adult sarcasm as well and this is from just episode one 
it seems to be a great show, and I can't wait to see how they build on that or maintain this through the the rest of the episodes yeah. um, that we'll be bringing to you. So yeah, I absolutely defend Jessica Jones episode one. I think it's time to pull out the competition winner for our competition. Um, we asked our listeners in one of our earlier episodes, I think episode 30, to, uh, to leave us a review on iTunes. Everybody that did leave a review on iTunes has gone into the hat now. Um, thanks so much for all the reviews. We got reviews from quite a lot of people. We got reviews from Rebecca, from David, from Thomas, from Alex, from GMB Alpha, from Danny, from Sylvie, and from Claire. Thank you so much. Uh, they're all across uh, iTunes, across Canada, America, the UK, Fantastic. Really, thank you so much for sending those in. Uh, John, do you want to pull a name out for the, for the master prize? So this is the prize, which is the Jessica Jones comic, the Jessica Jones poster, Daredevil season two poster, uh, Agent Carter season two poster, and a couple of other little things in there, I think, as well. Okay. So here from our competition, Balti Bowl. There you go, Derek. And our first winner is Sylvie. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Congratulations, Sylvie. We'll be in contact with you. We just will need to get your address. Obviously, send those over to you. Thank you so much for your review. It's really good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think John actually mentioned we have a couple other uh, of the Jessica Jones comic books, the uh, which are only available at New York Comic Con that we want to give away. Um, Chris, do you want to pull the next one? And the winner is... Oh, our next winner is David Harks. Thank you, David. Um, that comic will be in, will be in contact with you again to get your address, and uh, and we'll be sending that comic out to you. Cool. And then we have uh, our final one. Don't do you want to shuffle the bolty ball? <laughs> Thank you. And the winner we have here is Alex, spelt A W H L E K S. So we'll be in touch again to to find out where we can send on the comic. Uh, thank you so much for all your entries. We'll probably have another competition later on in the in our coverage of Jessica Jones. Thank you so much for leaving a review for us on iTunes. It does help other people find uh, the podcast. Really good of you. And really good of you to listen to the podcast as well. Uh, if anybody else wants to follow us on iTunes and leave us a review, again, always helps the podcast. Just go to defenderstvpodcast.com slash iTunes, which is the direct link, or obviously search for Jessica Jones Podcast on iTunes. You'll find it there. You can also follow us on any other good podcast catcher, like Beyond Pod. Uh, Player FM, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. Uh, you can find us under Defenders TV Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. We want to hear your feedback. Send that to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. I have a little bit of feedback from last week's episode. I don't think people have caught up on the first episode of Jessica Jones just yet, so we haven't got any feedback in it. Um, but feedback from last episode from Ronaldo in Australia. Uh, he says, Punisher Warzone, Ghost Rider 2 and Fantastic 4-2 are my guilty pleasures. So that was in relation to uh, to John's guilty pleasure of a uh, of a movie uh, for for uh, G.I. Joe retaliation, wasn't it? It was. Uh, Chris, Fantastic do you, movie. Do you have any Marvel-related uh, guilty pleasures, Chris? Uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very honest to everyone. Uh, old Benefer. In Daredevil. There you go. I'm sorry, the extended cut, what was it, the the, the, the full director's edition, the mm-hmm. two and a bit hours, it's cheesy, it's it, it's just naff, but it's so good. <laughs> and then even the 
dancing mon- the dancing scene in Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire. Wow. Right. Oh. They're the bad ones that cringeworthy, but you just go, yeah, I like it when he's swaggering down the street. <laughs> um, but then, sorry, back to the the guiltiest part, which I still think is the fight scene in the park. Oh, wow. Where it's so cheesy. It's so naff. It's the two of them. Like, she's fighting. She's beating up a blind guy right. in the middle of a kid's playground. <laughs> no one's bats an eyelid. But I'm like, yeah, I'm rolling with this. This is cool. Nice. They're, they're balancing on two seesaws. Obviously, that's going to end well. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, and that's my guilty pleasure. Right, we reviewed that on episode two of the podcast as well, didn't we? So yeah. you'll hear our thoughts as to whether it's a guilty pleasure or not over there. There uh, was definitely the, the sandbags on, on the rope. Oh, um, that was a fairly... Guilty misdemeanor for any director to put that into a, a, a film. But um Ronaldo also is a man of great taste because he does continue to say that he also has a guilty pleasure, which is Doctor Strange for Defenders 2, he goes on to say. And he goes, hashtag, I'm with John. Great taste, Ronaldo. Absolutely great taste. Man of quality is Ronaldo. Definitely. Absolutely. And continuing the trend of having 31 episodes of our podcast and Doctor Strange mentioned on every one. And our crossover episode <laughs> that we did, the Defenders podcast, John, also mentioned Doctor Strange. So we haven't gone through an episode without mentioning Doctor Strange. I brought Nick Fury in everyone pretty much too. Yeah, that is my that is my guilty pleasure, actually, the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury. <laughs> <laughs> the, first time I went, the first time I went to America, I sought out a place that had a bootleg copy of that movie just to see it because I'd never seen it there wasn't the internet at the time to download a bootleg copy of it I bought that and I have watched it many times there, there was go. what? I no know. internet? <laughs> the dialogue yeah. would, would have taken about six weeks to download it but it was worth it no it Derek wasn't got his, <laughs> Derek got his Morse code copy uh, direct from the telegraph <laughs> David runs stop picks up gun stop aims stop <laughs> and on that bombshell I think we'll close out this episode thank you so much for listening thank you so much for listening um, can't wait to be back in a very short moment of time for episode 2 yeah we're hoping you're you're enjoying your binge watch yeah don't forget to Netflix and chill with this lovely podcast as well absolutely thanks for listening bye stuff guys this has been a flickering myth podcast network production for more information head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it find this show in itunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickering myth to subscribe to the flickering myth movie show we'll see you on the next podcast take care bye bye